0: Okay, so we are trying to improve communication from heaven. Last week, we kind of went in a very different way that is going to be a pattern for where we're gonna go for the next several weeks. We started with this, we started with this connection. Clearly, when we talk about communication with Heavenly Father, it's a line from me to him. It's the flow of information from him, So we spent some time talking about what does it look like? What form does Revelation take? How are the very many ways Heavenly Father speaks? What are the rules that open up that channel? Then last week, we dove into the scriptures and some very powerful doctrines that he taught to realize a huge influence on this are these things. And I know exactly what shape that makes, and I think it's very significant. There are a lot of these things that affect this. And if we don't start talking about them, we actually control the flow of revelation by what we do here. Last week started that pattern. The Lord revealed in the doctrine of Kevin is that the the soul of man is body and spirit. So one of the things he was teaching is if you want to increase the flow here, what do you do? You take better care of your physical body. Now, that's an aspect of revelation. Sometimes we don't connect. We don't necessarily say, wait a minute, I'll get more revelation. I'll hear him better if I take better care of my physical body. The promise of the word of wisdom is all saints that remember and keep to do these things shall have health in their navel. We have a spiritual navel. We are connected to God through a navel. And if I take better care of my physical body, it will increase the flow of nutrients from God through my navel. So in a very real sense, you control how much is coming from heaven. It's not him controlling it as much as it's you controlling it. You are connected to God through that spiritual navel. Now, those of you who've been to the temple, when you stand at the veil and you communicate with God, how are you connected? Through a navel. Do you see the symbolism? And one of the things he's trying to teach is, if you take better care of your physical body, it will increase revelation. So let's follow that pattern. That opens up a whole realm of things connected to hearing him better that we sometimes don't make connections with. So what are some of the other things in my life that open or close the channel of revelation? Now, today we're going to focus on one that he repeats frequently in the Scriptures. And I want to testify before we even begin. It is one of the greatest ways to increase revelation. If you want more revelation from Heavenly Father, learn to forgive others. How quickly, how readily you forgive others will determine a great deal of revelation that flows to you. Let me see if I can convince you of that tonight. But you can control more revelation simply by learning to forgive those in your life. So, let's turn to the scriptures. Turn with me to section eighty or 64 of the Doctrine and Covenants. Two significant doctrines that he lays before us in section 64. All right, Doctrine and Covenants section 64. Let's get doctrine number one is in verse eight. We'll pull, let's do this together. Let me pull this up so we can see it. Okay, section 64, verse eight. Truth and doctrine number one. Ready? My disciples in days of old sought occasion against one another and forgave not one another in their hearts. And for this evil, they were afflicted and sorely chastened. I truly do not believe he is saying that he chastened them. I think he's saying an unforgiving heart hurts you. Withholding forgiveness and being unforgiving of others is not going to hurt them. It's going to hurt you. Now, look at the complete irony in that. Someone hurts you, right? This person hurts me, and to get even with them, I hate them, and I withhold forgiveness. So first, they hurt me, and then I hurt me. An unforgiving heart hurts you. That's what he's teaching. Doctor number one is if you withhold forgiveness, it's going to hurt you, not them. And I know why you're hating them. I know why you hold on to the grudge. They hurt you. They caused you a lot of pain. So in your head, what do you say? I'm going to cause them pain by not liking them and hating them. The irony, though, is does that hurt them? Does you not forgiving them hurt them? It doesn't. But who does it hurt? <clears throat> so first you hurt, they hurt you, and then you hurt you. So doctrine number one, let me illustrate, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, I heard one from the actually, a minister saying like, um, not forgiving someone is equivalent to taking poison, hoping the other person will die.
0: Yeah. I'm going to drink the poison, hoping you die. Let me give you an illustration. This was a powerful one from General Conference. H. Burke Peterson, who was a former general authority, tells this story. For much of our lives, we lived in central Arizona. Some years ago, a group of teenagers from a local high school went on an all day picnic into the desert in the outskirts of Phoenix. As some of you know, the desert foliage is rather sparse, mostly mesquite, catclaw, and palo Verde trees, with a few cactus scattered here and there. In the heat of the summer, where there, were, where there are thickets of this desert growth, you may also find rattlesnakes as unwelcomed residents. These young people were picnicking and playing, and during their frolicking, one of the girls was bitten on the ankle by a rattlesnake. As is the case with such a bite, the rattler's fangs released venom almost immediately into her bloodstream. This very moment was a time of crucial decision. They could immediately begin to extract the poison from her leg, or they could search out the snake and destroy it. Their decision made, the girl and her her young friends pursued the snake. It slipped quickly into the undergrowth and avoided them for 15 or 20 minutes. Finally, they found it, and rocks and stones soon avenged the infliction. Then they remembered their companion had been bitten. They became aware of her discomfort, as, now, as by now the venom had had time to move from the surface of the skin deep into the tissues of her foot and leg. Within another 30 minutes, they were at the emergency room of the hospital. By then, the venom was well into its work of destruction. A couple days later, I was asked to visit her in the hospital. As I entered her room, I saw a pathetic sight. Her foot and leg were elevated, swollen almost beyond recognition. The tissue in her limb had been destroyed by the poison, and a few days later, it was found that her limb would have to be amputated below the knee. It was a senseless sacrifice, this price of revenge. How much better it would have been if after the young woman had been bitten, there had been an extraction of the venom from the leg in a process known to all desert dwellers. How did it help her to kill the snake? How did it make her life better to kill the snake? In what way was her life improved because she killed the snake? Not at all. Instead, it hurt her. Doctrine number one is an unforgiving heart is going to poison me. You hurt me and then I hurt me. Now, doctrine number two, back to section 64, the very next verse. Now, this one's going to need some explanation, but I'm going to tie them together. Let me tie them together. Number one, forgiving, unforg- and la- not forgiving someone else is going to hurt me. Now doctrine number two, Jesus says, wherefore I say unto you that ye ought to forgive one another for he that forgiveth not his brother stand in his trespasses, standeth condemned before the Lord for there remaineth in him the greater sin. Now that takes a little explaining. Guy kidnaps my daughter, rapes my daughter, And I hate the guy. And you're telling me I committed the bigger sin? That needs some clarification. But the answer is yes, I did commit the bigger sin. But we need to clarify that. So allow me to clarify this doctrine with one of the Savior's parables. But doctrine number one is not forgiving you doesn't hurt you. It hurts me. And doctrine number two is I commit a greater sin. And I'm going to be held accountable for that greater sin. Now, you'll see how this all relates to Revelation, but turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Let's see if we can explain this doctrine with one of the Savior's parables. So Matthew chapter 18. We did this in Come, Follow Me not too long ago. All right, let's start with The question, the question that brought this parable. Peter comes to the Savior, starting in verse 20. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often do I need to forgive my brother? What's the rule? Give me a number. How often do I forgive him? Seven times? The eighth time I can hate him? The answer is not seven, but seven times 70. And then he taught this parable. I need someone to read because I'm going to draw this. Anyone willing to read? Please. Starting in 23. 23. Yep. You just keep reading. We're going to read it all the way to the end and then we'll go back and talk about it.
1: And to reckon one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 pounds, but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and and his children, and all that he had came to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out. And found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred and He laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that balance. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till so he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then, then his Lord, after that, he had called him, said unto him, O oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that thou did, All that debt, because thou desires me. So does not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors, so he should pay all that was due unto him. So, likewise, shall my heavenly father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother that trespasses.
0: Thank you. I need to emphasize this last verse. I think a lot of people forget this. So, first the king forgives the debt. And then, when he doesn't forgive that debt, tell me what the king does. You got to make sure you understand the end of the parable. What does the king do at the end? He returns the debt. He returns the 10,000 talent debt to servant one. That's a critical piece that sometimes we forget. So let's put some meat on this. I need someone with a calculator. Okay, anyone want to be my calculator? CJ, you want to be my calculator? Okay, so if we were to take the time in the Bible dictionary, a talent is not an ability. It's not the ability to play music or something. A talent is a weight A talent, so one talent, I'm just gonna do T, capital T for talent, equals 75.6 pounds. One talent equals 75.6 pounds. Now, I'm guessing a talent of what? What's the assumption? I recognize there's a total assumption, but what metal do you suppose we're talking about? Gold. So let's just do some calculating. Ready? So let's see today's price of gold. Uh, Come on, give me today's $1,921.50 per ounce, right? So CJ, one thousand nine hundred and twenty-one dollars and fifty cents per ounce. So we gotta get this into pounds. So multiply that by sixteen. Multiply that by sixteen. So thirty thousand. 000... Okay, so thirty, say that again, thirty. St- Now that's dollars of uh, per pound of gold. So multiply that by 75.6. As other columns
1: say, nobody can shop that much. Yeah.
0: So one talent, one talent equals. One talent. 2.3 2.3 million and he owes 10,000. 10,000 talents of gold is equivalent to 23 billion dollars. I know the result is 23 billion. However, we got there. The end result is $23 billion. Servant one owes the king $23 billion. And what's his occupation? This isn't Elon Musk. This isn't Jeff Bezos. He doesn't own a a multi-billion dollar company. What's his occupation? He's the king's servant. He shovels horse poop. And he owes the king $23 billion. Do you see the symbolism? I am servant one. And that is my debt to God. For everything I've ever done, for everything that I am, for my life, for my salvation, I owe God $23 billion and I will never pay it. I will never pay God what I owe him. And so he says simply what? When, when he first says, pay me, I say, I'll, ne- I'll never pay you, Lord. I will never pay back that debt. With all eternity, I will never pay back that debt. And so he does what? He erases what kind of king can erase a $23 billion debt? That's okay. He loosed him from the debt. I just had a $23 billion debt erased out of his goodness and mercy. You can't pay me? It's okay. I'll let it go.
1: I just remembered when I was learning about this where it talked about how the king because I would always thought about it like to the king that I was just like oh like it's fine like I have so much money like you'll be fine but I learned about it and where like the king had to go bankrupt and like basically
0: it to... is going to cost the king dearly to forgive that servant
1: mm-hmm. I just thought that was really meaningful that it's because the king just cared about that servant
0: yep so now Let's put, let's do this one. In Matthew chapter 20, there's a parable about a servant who goes out and from 6 a.m. works all day. And at 6 p.m. was expected to be paid a penny. The plural form of penny was pence. So this is $100, 100 days of working 12 hours. So CJ, let's say $15 an hour. Let's be generous and say $15 an hour times 12 times 100. This debt is 18 grand. Now that's a significant debt. In our world, if I owed you $18,000, you'd want it back. But how does 18,000 compare to 22 billion? Now, This man had a $22 billion debt erased and couldn't forgive an $18,000 debt. Who is he insulting? The king. He is insulting the king. Now, let me be clear. My debt, you know, when Jesus said, in him remaineth a greater sin he is not saying that my debt to the king is greater than his debt to the king. What he's saying is my debt to the king is nothing compared to his debt to me. By not forgiving that servant, I am offending him because he offended me. He offended me at the $18,000 level And because of that, I'm offending him at the $22 billion level. And because I insisted on the $18,000, I demand you fix what you broke in my life. You hurt me, you fix me. By demanding $18,000, what is it gonna cost him? 23 billion. He gained 18,000 and lost 23 billion. In what world is that a good investment? Now, what could have happened if he had been willing to let go of 18,000? What would it have saved him? By giving up $18,000, what does he gain? 23 billion. You are harboring on $18,000 debts. You are holding in your heart a demand that someone who hurt you, and I acknowledge they hurt you, but you are holding on to an $18,000 debt and it is costing you 23 billion. Now that's foolish. In no world Is that a wise thing to do? But what God, do you understand what God is saying? I am willing to erase the 23 billion if you're willing to erase the 18. Now, once again, we saw with our body, I control the flow with how well I take care of my body, right? It's in my agency. I control the flow of God's blessings by how well I take care of my body. Once again, do you see the connection? I control his blessings to me by what I do with your debt to me. You control his blessing. If you are unwilling to let go of 18,000 you are telling him to give you the debt. You control. If you are willing to let go of the 18,000, you are inviting him to let go of the 23, you get to choose his blessings. That's a powerful concept. You get to choose how much he blesses you. Oh just something for the quantity.
1: Um, I I feel like sometimes eighteen thousand to me as a poor college student, I still look and I'm like oh, that's a that's lot That's right. No that's
0: question. So um it is zero point
1: zero 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 seven eight
0: percent. How many? Four zeros.
1: Four zero seven eight percent. Which is a minuscule fraction, like if you had a candy bar and you had that much
0: percentage
1: of it, it would be nothing. Yeah. Like, you know a uh, chocolate crumb. Yeah. <laughs> Not even that. Maybe like an eighth of a chocolate
0: crumb. So put those, let's put those two doctrines together. Do you see why withholding forgiveness on you hurts me? Not only is there a natural pain that comes, but I lose the $23 billion blessing that God would freely give me and I make the greater offense. Now, let me point something out. Why is it that we hold on to resentment? Why is it, have you wrestled with your soul? Why is it so hard to forgive? Why do I hold on to that?
1: Because something in us likes to be in control
0: of things. Okay, I think there's a control issue. Can I share with you, Something that one of my students in this very, not this very class, but this very subject shared with me after we taught this. And it was so eye-opening for you. Now, forgive me, I promised her I wouldn't reveal her name. So everyone look away. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Don't look away. Oh, whoops, wrong one. Look away. Don't look. 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 Okay. I took her name out here, but I forgot to take it out in the link to it. So, this fascinated me when she wrote it. I can't even begin to tell you how much this lesson has changed my life, Brother Dunford. In short, for years, I have been trying to forgive my dad for his cruelty towards me and my other family members. I was that little girl who never felt safe around her daddy. As an adult, seeking for healing, I have met with priesthood leaders, therapists who specialize in trauma, and have counseled, my, counseled with my heavenly father, but still my pain from my experiences wouldn't go away. Most of it deep down was me not wanting to forgive and release him. I felt like if I forgave, then it would make what he did okay. Like no justice would need to be meted out because I forgave him. It would be good. It would let him off the hook. I've thought a lot about that. That is false doctrine. And so she continued, I wanted him to fix what he did. Now, however, I understand that his debt is not to me. The debt for my dad's sins has never been owed to me. That debt is owed to God. It is so hard to put everything into a text, but I just wanted to thank you, Brother Dunford, for teaching this lesson, which has allowed me through the atonement of Jesus Christ to do something I've been trying to do for a very long time. I can honestly say that I forgive my dad. And forgiving him does not let him off the hook because he's not on my hook. He's on God's hook. What a beautiful thing the atonement of Christ is. I am free. And not only was I freed, but I felt clean. After I loosed my dad from what he had done, I felt like Heavenly Father loosed me from things I had done. I need to say that again. You need to hear her say that. After I loosed my dad from what he had done, I felt like Heavenly Father loosed me from things I had done. It was almost like God could only forgive me after I forgave my dad. I am free and I am clean. Now I know the Holy Ghost is testifying of that truth to you right now. You get to control the blessings that flow into your life if you will let go of the debts that they owe you. Yeah, it's been a long day for me and my iPad. We started at six in the morning, we haven't stopped. Thank you. Do you see the doctrine, Kitana?
1: My wallpaper is a quote about forgiveness and it says that forgiveness is not between me and the one who has hurt me, it is between me and the Lord. Yeah. And I've just really been pondering about that. And I think that, like, talked about that perfectly. So we can't
0: do anything about it. Yeah. Do you know what? Heavenly Father doesn't need any witnesses at the trial. I don't need to hold on to my resentment or the memories or the pain because I'm going to testify at the trial. Heavenly Father doesn't need any witnesses. And her dad will stand accountable for God. And one of my absolute favorite attributes of Heavenly Father is He is a God of justice. He will hold her dad accountable. But that's between God and her dad. That's not her job. My job is to loose you. I think that's one of the most beautiful words in the parable. We'll go until it dies. I think that right there, the king loosed him. You are loosed from the debt. I will not hold you to the debt. And by loosing them, by loosing the 18,000, I free myself of what? 23, yeah. Why would you not do that? Why would you hold on to the $18,000 debts when you're in control? Now, allow me to get up. If I could, I'd get right up into your face. I think there's one particular person you need to lose most of all. I think there is one person you are blaming for a lot of pain in your life. And that's you. It doesn't change. It's the same rule. Some of you are blaming the 18 year old who made a mistake and caused me pain, and I'm angry at that 18-year-old, and I'm demanding that the 18-year-old fix my modern-day problems. Guess what? Never going to happen. Perhaps the most important debt I need to lose is the one that I owe myself for some stupid mistake I made years ago. You are servant number two. And guess what? Same rules. It is my testimony to you that as long as you hold on a grudge, if you hold to a grudge that you did something in the past that caused pain to your present self, or you're embarrassed or you're humiliated because some younger version of you did something that hurt the today version of you and you think that that one doesn't apply. Allow me to testify with every ounce of my soul that you are withholding blessings. You are not allowing God to bless you. Today's you. Because you Keep holding some past version of you captive and punish yourself over and over again. You need to loose yourself and say, I was just an 18-year-old kid and I didn't know what I was doing. And you need to hear Jesus say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It is my witness to you that the rules don't change when you're servant number two. You are still withholding blessings that God would freely give you if you would learn to loose the debt. You control his blessings in your life.
1: And one other thing too, I'm going along with what you've been saying. Um, not only do we do that with a servant number two, but we go the extra mile trying to repay the $25, $23 billion debt, despite the fact that we know in ours that can never be repaid. yeah, We still think that we can do it by ourselves. No, like, I... Oh, I can repay it. I can do it. But we're not accessing Christ's atonement if we
0: do that. And isn't that offensive to him? He doesn't want the money back. He wants your gratitude for his forgiving of the debt. That's a beautiful statement. I leave you with my witness. I wish I could sing and dance and yell and loud and shout from the rooftops, one of the most simple truths of your life is to increase the flow of blessings that God freely wants to give you. Release them, loose them, including yourself, of the $18,000 debts. I know people have done some horrible things to you. People have done some horrible things to me. And I've done some horrible things to other people. I know it's easy to want them to pay for what they did. They never will. They never will make it right. They never will pay. Therefore, I'm going to leave them to God. And I'm going to worry about my debt to God. And I want those blessings to flow in my life. In fact, I want God to quickly forgive me. Therefore, I have to quickly forgive you. It would be hypocritical of me to not forgive you and ask him to forgive me. May you claim the blessings that are yours and that he freely wants to give you. Let it go. Finally, let it go. Loose them. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.